Hey, Crime Sound listeners, we're your hosts, Ashley and Ricky, and thank you so much for joining this week. We're so very excited because we get to tell you another fresh true crime that is still being investigated. Today's episode takes us to Colorado, a state that we've always wanted to visit. But today, we're here to tell you about the missing case of Kelsey Barrett. It's a case that seems to be scattered with information, so bear with us as we take you through a bit of a loop. And just so you know that this case is still ongoing, so that being said, a lot of this information from this case hasn't been disclosed because it's still an open investigation, and to this day, Kelsey has never been located. And we also like to credit our sources, which include ABC, WXYZ Detroit, court documents such as the affidavit, search warrants, the Denver Channel, Heavy, and KMVT, all which can be found on our website at crimesaladpodcast.com. Kelsey went missing on November 22nd. It was Thanksgiving Day in 2018. Her last known location was captured on surveillance footage at a grocery store called Safeway around 12.30 p.m. She was seen pushing a shopping cart with her baby inside of a car seat. The actual surveillance footage can be found online and we'll also post it on our website. And you can even notice that nothing seemed out of the ordinary. We're just assuming here that she was at the store grabbing a few last minute things for dinner. However, it was a very sad day in the community when the news all over the world was broadcasted. Kelsey Barrett is missing, and it seemed as if she just vanished, leaving behind her daughter, her job, her family and friends. Kelsey was a young woman, only 29 years old. She was engaged to a man named Patrick Frazee. The two had a baby together and named her Kaylee. However, they lived in separate residences. She lived in a small town of Colorado, closest to Denver, called Woodland Park, while working as a flight instructor. And Patrick worked as a rancher and lived in a town called Fluorescent, roughly a 20-minute drive from each other. And we don't know exactly 100% how the relationship actually was between these two, but as we get deeper and deeper into the case, well, we'll let you be the judge. So, it was Thanksgiving Day when she was last seen. Her family hasn't heard from her, and days go by. She hasn't come home, hasn't shown up for work, and no one really knows where she went. And as 10 days go by, it's now December 2nd, when her mom reported her missing. And around this time, there was no indication that this was anything more than a missing persons case. But her mom believes something more like someone knew where she was and wasn't talking. It was extremely out of character for Kelsey to just leave. Patrick, her fiance, would even agree the last time he saw her was on November 22nd, Thanksgiving, when she came by, dropped off her daughter, and he claims he hasn't seen her since. 
there was an offer of $25,000 for any information leading to Kelsey's whereabouts. Kelsey was last seen wearing a white shirt, a gray sweater, blue pants, brown purse, and white shoes. She's described as a white female standing 5 feet 3 inches tall and weighing 110 pounds, and she has brown hair and green eyes. So being that she was a flight instructor, the airport was searched, all the planes have been accounted for, and there was no sign that Kelsey flew somewhere. So they begin to release a press conference for Kelsey's disappearance. The family felt it was a bit strange that Patrick, her fiancé, didn't show up. Wouldn't you think he would be one of the first people like in the front row? I mean, this is your fiancé, the mother of your child. And Patrick soon got a lawyer from this point, and his lawyer tried to shield him from any questioning as much as possible, especially from the media. But police continue to do their search by seeing if they can find any information on the location of her cell phone around the time she went missing. The night Kelsey went missing was on Thanksgiving, November 22nd. Police were able to locate phone records from November 22nd around 3.53 a.m. to November 25th as text messages between Kelsey and Patrick's phone were happening. And during this same time frame, 19 mostly outgoing calls were found from Patrick's phone to Kelsey's phone. There were also a few missing and incoming phone calls in the mix. Some just one or two minutes right after each other. But wait, I mean, from what we found out before all of this happened, Patrick said the last time he saw her was on November 22nd. So it's kind of weird to me that he didn't have anything to say about the conversations that they had. And that's a great point. But the calls and the text messages were never released to the public, so we have no idea what those texts actually said. But it definitely seems off. Now, the locations of the phones were also very interesting. On November 22nd at 12.33 p.m., both Patrick and Kelsey's phone were connected to the same phone tower in Woodland Park, so they definitely saw each other around that time. That evening, both phones traveled to Cripple Creek, which is about a 36-minute drive, roughly. But on the next day, November 23rd, Both Kelsey and Patrick's phones traveled about 26 minutes and were found to be located near Patrick's home in Fluorescent, which is weird because didn't Patrick say November 22nd was the last day that he saw her? Then the next location ping wasn't until November 25th at a completely different location, 600 miles away from her home in Woodland Park in Gooding, Idaho. It was on the same day, Sunday, November 25th, when her employer, Doss Aviation, received a text from Kelsey's cell phone saying she would not be at work the next week. So it's like we're being told to believe that she just up and vanished, leaving her daughter behind. Or was this all like a premeditated plan to make it seem like Kelsey was leaving her old life behind and starting completely over 600 miles away? You know, so another thing that I actually heard is around the time that the actual search warrants went out, many of the prosecutors actually believed he was trying to, like, 
engineer a whole situation. Uh, he told the police that like he gave her her gun back. So a lot of people kind of believe that this was him kind of implying that, you know, maybe she killed herself or, you know, used that gun for, you know, something like that, self-harm. So the Colorado Bureau of Investigation searched Kelsey's apartment. Actually, they searched it on several different occasions. On December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, they actually came up with nothing out of the ordinary or anything that shouted, you know, a murder happened here. Even after having the cadaver dogs come in and do a search, you know, they found nothing. It appeared she also left some things behind, like clothes and makeup, and these were things that her family knew she wouldn't have left behind. However, they never found her purse or her keys, so there was still that possibility, actually, that she left. But as we mentioned, the situation of her just up and leaving is something, you know, kind of unusual for her. So what kind of blows my mind here is it wasn't the investigators that came across anything. It was actually Kelsey's mom and her brother. The two spotted blood that was on the toilet seat. So this led to investigation and a closer look at the bathroom. On December 6th, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation tested the area. Blood was found in more places other than just this toilet seat. It was found on the base of the toilet seat and the bathtub also the towel rack and the door handle, the ceiling and other areas of the bathroom. And another suspicious thing is the family noticed that two rugs were missing from the bathroom. And after the forensic testing, the blood that was found was a perfect match to Kelsey's. So something definitely happened in the bathroom. I mean, being that this was all pretty much cleaned up, this kind of rules out the possibility of like suicide or, you know, something self-inflicted, but there definitely could have been foul play here. So at this time, the investigation kind of led in the direction of a homicide and they kind of just assumed that, you know, if there was a murder here, they definitely tried to clean it up and, you know, they did a good job, but clearly there were some things that, you know, kind of raised some red flags here. So this is where investigators get a really interesting tip. When they receive a call from a Twin Falls, Idaho couple claiming that one of their employees, who was a nurse, had information that may be related to the disappearance of Kelsey. The two came forward after hearing through an employee that her best friend told her that another employee, who ended up being Crystal Kenny, was asked by a man to kill the mother of his daughter. Once they heard this, they were absolutely shocked, and they told the employee to have Crystal come talk to them, but she never did. Crystal even told her friend to just forget the whole thing and just leave it alone. At the time, the two didn't really have enough information to approach the police, so they kind of just swept it under the rug. And it wasn't until the couple actually saw an interview on TV, and it was Kelsey's mother, Cheryl. And she made a comment about how someone out there has to know something about what happened to her daughter. Hearing this, they then started to connect the only information they knew from what they heard from the employee and remembered the name Patrick. Only knowing the first name of this guy, she then went out on a limb and contacted the police. And she told them everything she knew, even though she didn't really know that much. We're going to take a quick break here to tell you about BetterHelp. 
BetterHelp is an online service that I personally use for my mental health. They provide a number of professional licensed counselors who specialize in all situations that may be interfering with your happiness. It's seriously my personal outlet to get my mind right. It's affordable. It's so convenient. I decided to give BetterHelp a shot when I was going through a very anxious part of my life. So I just signed up and I was matched with an amazing counselor who was so willing to talk with me right away. We actually set up a video chat later in the week to catch up. We are all so busy. Give yourself the care that you need today. Start living a happier life. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash crime salad. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash crime salad. So a little bit about who Crystal actually was. Crystal was known to have come from a really great family. And she was actually one of the best rodeo queens on all of the rodeo circuit. While in high school, she was a high school body president. She was very active in sports. So after her friends in her hometown heard the news, they just couldn't believe that she was a part of this. This just didn't sound like her at all, at least from what they remembered. She was a respected woman in the community, and she worked at St. Luke's Health System as a registered nurse. So this left a lot of unanswered questions with police. Like, who is this crystal girl? Does she have anything at all to do with this missing case? I mean, it's a long shot, but police can't pass up this tip. An interview was in session on December 20th. And from the very beginning of this interview with Crystal, police knew she was the key to this case. She revealed that her and Patrick actually started dating in 2018, while police believed that they felt like they knew each other for around 12 years. She claims that just up until July, she never knew that he was actually engaged with Kelsey. And while Patrick had this secret life that we believe no one knew was just crazy, but on top of that, they both communicated on secret cell phones with Idaho area codes. And as far as Crystal's personal life, she was a divorced woman still living with her ex-partner and along with their two kids. And we're not really sure if they were trying to work things out, but we know Crystal was talking to Patrick at this time. Crystal told investigators that Patrick explained Kelsey was very abusive to their baby and he wanted to get rid of her. And one of the craziest parts of this interview is that Crystal explained on four different occasions, Patrick attempted to persuade her into killing Kelsey. On September 23rd, Patrick suggested drugging her by offering her a coffee. On October 15th, Patrick gave Crystal a metal pipe to beat her with it, but she refused. And then on October 21st, he suggested her to use a baseball bat to kill her. And this is when Crystal actually drove to her house but then backed out by telling Patrick that she just can't do this. So this is when Patrick actually took this matter into his own hands and he texted Crystal to call him on Thanksgiving. So one thing that I think is weird is that, you know, Patrick was able to convince Crystal to attempt to kill Kelsey four different times. So every time they came up with this plan and she attempted to do it, but, you know, just backed out. 
but she did it three more times. Like, that's what's weird to me. Like, you know, she could have thought about it. She could have called the police. She could have stepped in and intervened, you know, but he was able to kind of talk her through it and, you know, get her to make another attempt. Like whenever she's not talking to Patrick, it seems like, you know, she's kind of clear minded and she can she can kind of make decisions. But every time she talks to Patrick, she's completely manipulated by him. Yeah, and and you got to remember that she drove from Idaho to Colorado, which again is about a 600-mile drive to meet with Patrick to kill Kelsey. And it's so mind-blowing. It's it's like if this was actually all true, it's so messed up. And I feel like it's just strange that Crystal grew up as a pretty normal girl. So, I think it's pretty easy to paint her as like a really bad person in this situation and you know, she's definitely not a good person for her intentions but you know Patrick was manipulating her like completely in her head like telling her that you know his baby was in danger and Kelsey's just this awful you know evil person trying to hurt their baby like she was a mother herself I think you know she definitely wasn't in a right state of mind but she thought she was like in the right you know I don't know. I think with Patrick just like constantly in her ear, she never had that like sense of clarity to be like, wait, I need to take a couple steps back and call the police. And because, you know, this all could have been avoided. Like there were other ways to handle the situation. You know, it didn't have to be as extreme as the, you know, her intentions were. Either way, I mean, she's still in the wrong. She never contacted the police. And that's exactly what the family says that, you know, she could have intervened. She could have saved her life. And like you said, she's a mother herself. So it just doesn't make any sense. Thanksgiving Day rolls around and she gets a call from Patrick that says, quote, you need to get here now. You've got a mess to clean up. And again, you think she would have just called the police, but she confesses that she felt as if she needed to cover his tracks. On November 24th, she drove to Kelsey's apartment in Colorado, bringing along with her bleach, trash bags, and a full body suit, and walked into a horrific scene, which she agreed to clean, taking her about three to four hours. Patrick tried to convince Crystal to take and dispose of the body in Idaho, but she said she just couldn't do it. So they both took the body to Patrick's farm, where he stored her body in a black tote to burn. She claimed that she watched Patrick pour gas and oil onto the fire as a large plastic tote was burned. When police asked Crystal where Kelsey's remains are, she explained that he could have dumped them in a landfill, but she wasn't 100% sure. This led search crews to comb through mounds of garbage to try and find any trace of Kelsey, which at this rate is like finding a needle in a haystack. He told Crystal in detail how he murdered Kelsey and explained to her that Kelsey wore a blindfold over her eyes while sniffing candles. The reason for this, we can't confirm. But while she did that, he bashed her in the head with a baseball bat in the back of the head. And during this hateful and merciless attack, their baby was in the playpen in the apartment. So I think this actually gives us some detail here. You know, a lot of what I was thinking during this case is like, 
Were the two together? Like, were they a happy couple? You know, things like that. Well, this kind of shows that they kind of had like an intimate, you know, thing in their relationship still. You know, he's able to have like a nice night with her, convince her to put on a blindfold as they, you know, playfully smell candles. You know, he had her trust. Yeah, you're right. And this just goes to show what kind of guy he is. It's like he's playing this game, just like he is with Crystal. Like, how did he get Crystal convinced enough to even like follow along with the steps to kill Kelsey? And then the whole reason behind this, like, what was the motive? I did find that, you know, there could have been like some sort of custody issue going on when the baby was born. Well, I guess the whole custody thing could actually be the motive. I actually remember that, you know, Patrick did reach out to protective services, you know, claiming that Kelsey was abusing their one-year-old. So I wonder if this whole thing, you know, the abuse and, and all of that was just a ploy to kind of get custody. Yeah, I definitely think it could be. Yeah, and another thing, from what Crystal explained, he did plan to throw up the investigation. Which actually makes sense, you know, with everything that we talked about earlier with all the different cell phone pings. So to cover up this horrible crime, Patrick had Crystal take her cell phone and text Kelsey's work that she won't be coming in next week. She also confessed that she did drive the cell phone back to Idaho and destroyed the phone there. Which all of this led the police to believe that Kelsey did in fact leave Colorado and head to Idaho. And that's exactly where the investigation went, to Idaho, away from Patrick. So I, I think this whole thing is just Patrick was just trying to throw off the police. You know, he didn't want them snooping around Colorado. You know, he'd led them away. And with Crystal giving away all of the details about this crime, you know, Patrick wasn't getting away too fast. And things were starting to add up, too, because what Crystal was saying was true. I mean, the evidence that they found so far, a lot of it came from Crystal. Like, the pings of the cell phones, how they traveled from the apartment to the house, like, they were all spot on. And Crystal, who was also charged in connection with the case, was arrested even though she helped the police. She was charged with tampering of evidence, and this was part of her plea deal, to kind of work with police and cooperate with the investigation. And most importantly, testify against Patrick in court. And although Kelsey's body has still not been found, prosecutors say that they have strong evidence that she was murdered, especially with the evidence that they were able to find so far. Patrick was arrested on December 21st at his home on his ranch. He was charged with first-degree murder and solicitation on first-degree murder. The daughter that they shared together is now in protective custody and will be reunited back with the family soon. In fact, I think she's already back with the family as we speak. Kelsey's family desperately needs her back. If you know anything or have any details at all, please call Woodland Park Police Department at 719-687-9262. Again, that's 719-687-9262. And as of now, this concludes our episode. And you can find pictures of this mysterious case on our website at crimesaladpodcast.com. And we'll keep you updated to the trial and new information that comes up. You're also invited to join us on our Crime Salad Facebook discussion group, 
where you can post links to cases that you think are interesting or share anything crime-related and meet other true crime salad investigators just like yourself. And feel free to invite a friend. And if you would like to help Crime Salad, write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us now, maybe on Himalaya. This really helps us move up in the charts so other listeners can get their hands on Crime Salad. Remember to follow us on Instagram and be sure to tell a friend about Crime Salad. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Crime Salad is a true crime podcast delivering a healthy portion of crime. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect.